Blog Talk Radio. For the next 90 minutes, we're going to be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show, blogtalkradio.com. You can send messages to the show at go for can at uh, uh, the chat room here, going on at blogtalkradio.com. Also, Hit me up on Twitter at go for again G O F O R I T G A N T and while you're there at go for again you can give me a follow as well. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by WBA middleweight middleweight champion Danny Jacobs, who's going to be to- talking to us and talking to us about his his victory against Peter Quillen, talking to us about his foundation, getting in the ring and and, and talking to us about what's next. For Danny Jacobs, because, you know, obviously he's a guy now, WBA champion. He's a guy now, after that big victory against Peter Quillen, who has some options and, and who has some possibilities. So we'll see what those options and possibilities may be for Danny Jacobs, the Miracle Man. Also, Hall of Famer Willie Rope will be joining us, get his take on what's going to happen this upcoming weekend in the National Football League. I mean, championship weekend in the NFL, and it's a great weekend, and we're going to see – Who's going to get that next stop? And that next stop is Super Bowl 50. So we're going to talk to Willie about that. I, I, we got to start in the, what, what happened in the NBA today. David Blatt, uh, the coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Cleveland Cavaliers who have the best record in the Eastern Conference, Cleveland Cavaliers, that team who just got a victory last night against the L.A. Clippers. Well, their coach is, is no longer. They decided to make the move. David Blatt is no longer the coach. He's got fired. And now Ty Lue, Tyron Lue is going to be the coach from this point forward. He's no is no interim tag there. He is the coach. So he's taking over for David Blatt. And, and Ty Lue, well-respected in that locker room, well-respected around the league, a highest-paid assistant in the National Basketball Association. And, and, and so, obviously, and, and you know, people are saying – you get reports, both reports, different ways. But you get reports that LeBron didn't have anything to do with it and, and, and LeBron wasn't consulted before this move was made. I got a hard time believing it. I'm sorry. I mean, this is – LeBron James came back to Cleveland. This is – he's the GM, not David Griffin. LeBron James is the GM. But, you know, LeBron James, obviously, he has say, lots of say. And and I believe that he had some say into what happened. He had some say into who was going to be the coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. I, I can't believe otherwise. Can't believe otherwise. But obviously there's been talk that the LeBron James camp has been fond of Ty Lue, has been uh, fans of Tyron Lue, so... They've been fans of Tyron Lue, and so 
they're, 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 you know, them being fans of him, it's not a surprise, I guess, that this move was made. Again, this is LeBron James's team. This is his team, and now there's, there are conflicting reports in terms of uh, the contract and, and whether or not that contract is, um, you know, a contract that is a uh, 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 three years. Because the report was there was a uh, T. T. Lou got a three year deal, and, and so how true that is, I'm not sure. There, again, conflicting reports. David Griffin said that's not true. Adrian Wojnarowski from uh, uh, Yahoo.com. Yahoo Sports says it is true. So I, I don't know. I don't know. So, formerly of Yahoo. But anyway, again, he tweeted out that, you know, LeBron James and his agent Rich Paul has been strong advocates of Lou becoming the head coach of the Clavaliers. So, with that being said, with that being said, I I, I, I look at this move and – LeBron James's fingerprints is on it on some level. LeBron James has to be good with this on some level because there ain't no way this move is happening if LeBron James is not good with it. No way. And, and rarely in the NBA or, or in sports in general do you see a guy who took his team to the NBA Finals and, and then a guy who has his team 30, 31, what, 30 and 11 at this point and the top spot in the Eastern Conference get fired. Rarely do you see this type of shakeup. But the, the pressure is on in Cleveland for them to win a championship. The pressure is on in Cleveland for a championship to happen. So because the pressure is on for a championship to happen, that kind of pressure now is, is, is you know, moves like this are made when you have that type of pressure to win a championship. When the pressure is on to win a championship, moves like this are made. You know, and, and, you know, David Griffin said, you know, looking at this team and, and looking at what's going on, these are his words, David Griffin, and that's not his words yet, but these are his words. But he, he felt like, you know, I, he quote, he said, I've never seen a locker room not be as connected after wins as they need to be. We've only, we only been galvanized when expectations were not high. Obviously, he saw something he didn't like. I didn't talk to any players before this decision, he said. It's really critical to me for everybody to understand this is my decision. This is our basketball staff's decision. I'm not taking a poll. Ty Lue, again, very respected in the locker room, very respected around the league. And, you know, some people cited that blowout against Golden State the other night as, you know, one of the reasons that this move is happening. But at the end of the day, David Blatt, obviously there were were signs that you saw that maybe he wasn't getting the respect that an NBA coach should get. And, and you know, we saw instances with him, you know, LeBron, what was it, with LeBron, him and LeBron, and, and, and so on and so forth. You just saw instances of where maybe there was questions of whether or not David Blatt really was the leader of this particular basketball team. But this is LeBron James's team, no question about that. I, so, if LeBron James wants Ty Lue as the coach, Ty Lue is going to be the coach. If LeBron James wants David Blatt to be the coach, I believe David Blatt would still be the coach. So, and I know as much as LeBron James doesn't want to have his name on this, I think it, it almost has to have his name on it because he is LeBron James, and we know the power that he has. We're going to switch gears now and go go to championship weekend in the National Football League. We're going to bring a guy now to talk about – 
Championship Weekend, International Football League, Hall of Famer, Willie Rose. Willie. How you doing? Question for, question for you. Uh, what kind of tempo will you think they're going to run now? What kind of offense do you think they're going to run? Do you think they're going to get more up and down the court, more half court? Well, I, I don't know since he's with the Clippers. Uh, do you think he's going to try to speed it up? What do you think they're going to do, Paul? I mean, I, I think – here's the thing. I, I think I, I think they got to figure out what they can do in terms of Kevin Love and, and LeBron James and, and that whole thing working together. Because I feel like ideally – you know, they don't necessarily – I don't know if they necessarily need Kevin Love. You know what I mean? I, I mean, he, he helps, obviously, but I don't know if they necessarily need Kevin Love. But in, in terms of the, the style of play they're going to they're gonna have, I, I mean, I, I think we just have to wait and see. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm, I'm honestly not sure how to, what, what they're going to do moving forward in terms of the style of play. But, I mean, I think they have the players to go up and down. They have the players to play and transition, but – it, it, it should be interesting to see what, what Ty Lue does differently to make this whole thing mesh together. I mean, I, I mean that's the way I see it at this point. Well, do you think do you going to that point? I, you know, I think with with Mosgov and with Villajal and with Tristan Thompson and with Kevin Love, I think you got a lot of bigs. I think you make a move. I think they need to bring somebody in. Six eight six, they can score. Take the pressure off off LeBron. Bring bring it up, Kevin or 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 or, 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 or Kyrie Irving. I think I think I think they I think they make a move, and I I see a trade coming here sometime soon. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I think at some point you got there are like you said there are a lot of bigs there with like you said Verrill and Mozgov and Love and Tristan Thompson, so. And and you saw like when you watched them last year in the playoffs, right? Um, and and after Kevin Love went down, I, I don't think any of us were saying that they really missed Kevin Love. I, I I mean I know what we were saying when 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 Kyrie went down, we could see that they missed the Kyrie Irving, but I don't I don't think any of us saw that or or believed that they really missed Kevin Love. So. Well, but, I mean, but 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 last year I will say this: Moskov was playing a lot better last year. I don't know what's happened to Moskov this year, but he he was playing when they came when he came in last year. I mean that was really the difference to, to me was J.R. Smith and and, and Shumpert, But the real difference was Moskov was playing big in the middle. He was scoring points. He was running the courts. I don't know what's happening to him this year, but Moskov isn't playing like he was last year. I mean. And the thing is, though, you, you look at it also. I mean, this is like it's almost like this team is learning to play with each other again. I mean, it's they're they're learning each other. You know, learning Kevin Love, learning LeBron James, learning Kyrie Irving, just learning how to put this whole thing together. And like, it's just. I mean, let's let's be honest. I mean, at this point, this team is still you know number one in the Eastern Conference, still got thirty victories. Still an upper echelon basketball team, but I think I think at the end of the day, Cleveland management felt like David Blatt was, the, the, wasn't the, the guy. The problem to, is, to, Paul. Go ahead. The problem. The problem is, Golden State has gotten that much better. Golden State can line up with any of them guys on the court. They can shoot the three. They can stretch the court. All of them can penetrate. I mean, how do you defend them guys? If they go small or big. You know, you can't. All of them are six, seven, six, 
them are shooters. So what do you do with these guys? And here's the thing also. Can we honestly say today, if, if we look at the top two teams in the Western Conference, San Antonio and Golden State, if Cleveland were to play any of those two teams in a seven-game series, does Cleveland come out a victor? The victory? The victor, I should say? Not, I don't think so. Not right now. At, not right now. No, no, not right now. I don't think so. But, look, I, but, I think, but, but last year, LeBron almost beat him by himself. And and now this year, I mean, LeBron was basically carried that team to a couple of victories last year. And this year, it's, it's just not the same. But, I mean, even with all the, you know, the, the, the we're, even all the stuff we're talking this team still has this, uh, you know, seven hundred, seven hundred plus winning percentage. This team still is number one in the Eastern Conference. But when, when you're Cleveland, it's not really about, you know, it's, it's about a championship at the end of the day. It's all about a championship at the end of the day. And I, I think Griffin realized that Blatt is not the guy to win the championship. You're going to have to go to Ty Lue, hopefully for them to win the championship. But we'll see. But I. Golden State isn't going anywhere, barring injury. Golden State isn't going anywhere, and barring injury, San Antonio isn't going anywhere. And they, so that's going to be interesting. And we're not even talking about OKC. OKC is going to be tough too in the playoffs. So that should be fun too. But obviously, Cleveland doesn't have to worry about them only into the NBA Finals if they were to meet them in the NBA Finals. But the Eastern Conference, Cleveland will win the East. The East. I, I think we can. I think it's safe to say Cleveland can win the Eastern Conference. I think that's a safe bet. But in terms of a championship, I don't know if they're better than Golden State or, or San Antonio, and I don't know if they'll ever be better than Golden State and San Antonio unless you're talking about a you know a big, big-time move. I don't know. We'll see. We will see. I mean, it should, it should be fun, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see what kind of – we'll see if this move has a boost. We'll see if Ty Lue does some things differently – to, to get this team to that next level, get that team, hopefully, for everybody in Northeast Ohio, get that team to the NBA Finals and beyond. So we'll, we'll see what, what happens. But you can say this about this team. They are playing better defense. I mean, they're third in terms of points allowed, so they are playing pretty good defense. But the, the next step is, is to see what's going to happen when they get to the NBA Finals because they're going to get there, and I think that's, what this move is about. It's not about the Eastern winning the Eastern Conference. I think it's about winning the NBA Finals, and we'll see I if that moves. Like you said, I still think it's matchup problems with San Antonio or Golden State, so you got to make a trade. Right, and and we'll see what, what move they can make to, to, you know, hopefully solve that matchup for them. Willie, let, let, let's go to the NFL now. And, you know, we got the Broncos and the Patriots, Brady and Manning, meet again in the playoffs. Here's how I'm looking at this game at this point in time. Uh, to me, what I saw last week from from uh, Peyton Manning, it, it was okay. It, it was better than I thought, but it was just okay. And to me, if, if, if Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos want to get to the Super Bowl, A, Peyton Manning has to be better than okay, or B, that running game has to be what it was a few weeks ago when they beat the New England Patriots. They had 179 yards on the ground when they beat the New England Patriots during the regular season. They have to have that same type of performance or there's no way they'll win this game. Your thoughts? My thoughts is this. A.A. 
Peyton Manning was going to be a little rusty because he hadn't played any football games before that game. B, Tom Brady is 2-6 and six all time at Denver in the playoffs of the regular season. He hadn't, he hadn't won a lot in Denver. It's hard to win in Denver. C, <laughs> Denver Broncos court defense, I think it's going to do a little bit better job of getting, getting to Tom Brady than, than Kansas City did. Tom Brady was getting rid of that ball so fast last week that they couldn't get to him, and they weren't running the ball. So, you know, I know they're going to try to spray, spray Denver out. I'm not going to let Gronkowski beat me. And what Denver did a great job, and what you have to do to Gronkowski, you got to put a safety over the top. You can't let Gronkowski beat you and get loose down the field. Not a lot. I know he's going to catch some. But they did a great job of blocking and Gronkowski, and he caught a couple balls, but he, you can't let him do what he did to Kansas City. Because, I mean, he got one-on-one with a safety and shook him, Eric Berry, for that touchdown. You got to bracket him. You got to do something to take Gronkowski out. I'll let you have the underneath stuff, but I'm not going to let Gronkowski get open and beat me. Because that, that, that's, that's number one. Number two, they signed Steven Jackson. He did okay. If you if you if you're not if you're gonna stop them from running the ball, you can't let them dink and dump you all day. You gotta hit Tom Brady. Anytime you hit Tom Brady, you rattle him. So the offensive, the defensive line, and the coordinator have to come up with some type of screen scheme to get to Tom Brady. You're right. If Denver's gonna win the game, they gotta rush for 100 yards by a combination of backs, or however they do it. Also, Denver needs to keep Tom Brady and him off the field. I will say this: I think, I think, I think Peyton Manning will play better this year. Uh, I give, I give a little bit of advantage. I don't know if the the kid that uh, cut his leg is going to play for New England. That uh, that saved that woman out that car. He had to get twenty some stitches. Uh, uh, I give the I give the advantage to Denver's defense. Up front, putting pressure on being able to, with, 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 with where possibly a Hall of Famer. You have uh, uh, DeMar- you have Demarcus Ware. You have uh, 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 Von Miller. Uh, 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 looks like Derek Thomas to me. You have Shane Ray, who's been playing better the year one on. Uh, I think that Denver defense is going to have to get out to Brady uh, if they can run the ball. I give a slight advantage to Denver at home uh, because I think I think with that secondary, they got uh, the secondary advantage other than the safety, the corners. You got to get that advantage to Denver too. Uh, you know where where the issue comes in, who's going to be the better quarterback, who's going to be able to run the ball. If Newton tries to run the ball, you would have to say you want to get the advantage to Tom Brady in the quarterback department. But I still think. Uh, Peyton Manning was rusty last week, and I think if Peyton has anything left in the tank, he needs to bring it out this week. And I think Denver finds a way. In special teams, I also say Denver with the return guy. I get the advantage of Denver for the return guy to have the special teams. So I think if you ultimately Denver finds a way to win a tight one at home to uh, take that win, take that game, and Peyton Manning gets another chance in the Super Bowl. And, and and I look at it this way, and, and you know, I, I believe 
that this is Peyton Manning's last run. This is his last hurrah. I think he's done after this year. I don't I don't see him coming back. But no, I don't. even with all that I, but I I also see Peyton Manning I I believe that he's done. You know, I, I believe I mean there's some in the, there's some in the tank, but it's not enough in the tank. And, and I think obviously you look at last week. But but, but you gotta think he's gonna play better than last week though, Paul, because that was his first game back. In theory, you would think he would play better than last week. But I, I, I at the same time, I, I'm thinking this is who he is. This is who Peyton Manning is. This is this is who Peyton Manning is. And, and at the end of the day. You know, you you might get uh, you might get a decent performance, but I don't think you're going to get the type of performance. Peyton Manning's not going to win you the game. He can't win you the game. Well, Paul, he's, he, he's still at, he's still he's got the receivers. He still got your boy. He can hit 88. They still can go down the field now. He wasn't able to. But I, I, I'll tell you this: if he may, if he takes a couple shots down the field, and he's Jones hits some of those guys down the field, those uh, Thomas don't go boom boys down the field. They win the game. We're thinking if he's digging and dumping. If he gets down the field and stretches that field some and connects, it, the ball game's over. If Peyton Manning connects and hits, hits a couple of long shots or even gets some penalties and moves the chain, the ball game's over. So I'm just telling you, if, 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 if Peyton Manning can, make, can hit down the field, so let's say this. If Peyton Manning throws for over 200, 250 yards, ball game's over. If he can do so that. Like- so, all he got to do is take a couple shots down the field. So you feel like this Denver defense can do enough to – and I feel like this Denver defense is a very – obviously this is the strength of the – This is the best defense in the league. Yeah, I mean, most definitely. They can, they, they, can, they can limit Tom Brady. But here's the way I look at it also. Julian Edelman is back. You, you got Edelman True. back, and that's huge. And that offense is totally different with Edelman on the field. So Edelman, Edelman is back. That Adam is a slot receiver. Adam is going to try to go down the slot and throw them slant routes. They killed Kansas City on slant routes last week. It was simple. Spread them out, run the guy, run the receiver up, and run inside on the slant route. And they were getting rid of the ball so fast, Kansas City couldn't get to the quarterback. And Kansas City's a pretty good defense. Tom Ali, yeah. Justin Houston. I know Justin Houston didn't play a lot of snaps. But that means apparently yeah, Houston defense. was hurt last week. He didn't play that much. Yeah. Yeah, but and but they were able to Kansas City in the past and and throughout the course of the season is able to get after the quarterback. I don't know. I mean, I I, I don't I I don't see Brady losing to Manning again. And and you know I, I and I with that being said, I just don't I, I don't think Peyton Manning can do enough unless unless and it's not him that's going to win the game. It's going to be his run game and his defense that win the game. Peyton Manning, oh Peyton Manning. Theoretically, would have to do in theory, possibly if his defense shows up, and if they're limit, able to limit Tom Brady, and if their running game shows up, all Peyton Manning has to do is not make mistakes. But we've seen him make a lot of mistakes in terms of interceptions throughout the course of this year. Granted, he was he didn't throw any picks last year, last week. But if you look, watch that football game, the Steelers. We're in the process of, of possibly putting that football game, oh, football game away until the running back put the ball in the turf, Toussaint. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I yeah, that, 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 was clear, that was created by the defense by that hit. That's true, but Pittsburgh was able to get the ball down the field. They were, Big Ben was able to, to, to hit some receivers, and Antonio Brown wasn't even there. Pittsburgh was able to move the ball pretty effectively against uh, 
uh, of the Denver Broncos. Unfortunately for Pittsburgh, I mean, Big Ben threw for 339 yards, but unfortunately for Pittsburgh, they weren't able to get into the end zone enough, and that's a byproduct of this defense, the Denver Broncos defense. But I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like this Tom Brady, the, the way he's played, the chip that he's had on his shoulder, Edelman's back, and, and plus what I see from Peyton Manning. If this was Peyton Manning maybe two years ago, then maybe I could say Peyton Manning and the Broncos can win this game because I like the way their defense is playing. But this is a Peyton Manning who's not the same player, it's not the same guy. I don't see it, but we'll see. But, 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 Paul, he's fresh, Paul. He hasn't been playing for the last six weeks, seven weeks. He's fresh. We'll see if that fresh. But he could be fresh. Well, this is what I'm saying, Paul. Paul, if he, if this is what I'm saying. If Peyton Manning gets a couple shots down the field, we will agree with this. If he doesn't turn the ball over and he stretches the field some and he, and he, and he hits some big shots, Advantage Denver, correct? Correct. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't think he can do it. I I, I don't see it. I don't think he's going to be able to do it effectively. And I I don't trust him. I don't think he's good enough at this point in his career. I I think Tom Brady is still Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady is Tom record at Denver? Like you said, it's two and six. It hasn't been great in Denver, but at the same time, you're talking about arguably the greatest quarterback of all time, and you're talking about a guy who lost to uh, uh, Peyton Manning in this spot a couple years ago, and I don't think he's going to do that again. I, I really don't, and because Peyton Manning is not the same Peyton Manning. That defense what, what, is great. What's the Peyton, forecast like? What's the forecast like? Uh, they, I did hear something that it, it possibly could uh, – there could be some precip- precipitation in the second half of that particular game. That's what I'm hearing. But I believe it's supposed to be in the 40s. So, but it's supposed to get colder as the day goes along. So we'll see if the weather has any effect on it. We're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rowe. Willie, so you like you you like um, uh, Denver to get it done. So let's 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 look at the other side. You got Carolina. You got Arizona. This is an interesting football game. This is to me. This is this is too, this is close to call. This is very close to too close to call on some level because Arizona, you know the problem I have with Arizona. I, I know, I know, I know. Everybody says the safeties for Carolina don't cover well when they spread them out and, and Fitzgerald and the receivers they have with, with, with Arizona. And I like Arizona. I just saw Arizona not show up some weeks. I saw Arizona not show up a couple weeks ago against Green against Green Bay and get punished at home. I mean, I just don't know what team I'm going to get with Arizona. I will say this. Not having Jared Allen is going to hurt. Because Jared Allen was, was was a vet. He put pressure on that quarterback. Um, it's going to hurt. It, you know, it, I was, it, and, and, and if another thing, what's called it passes the ball a lot. Uh, Phoenix is not going to run the ball. Arizona's not going to run the ball. They're going to try to pass the ball. So you got to run the ball eventually. With Cam and with the running the ball, uh, and with that defense, now can they hit them down the field and spread them out? I'm worried about the second day with Carolina, and I'm worried about them taking shots and getting them safeties one on one. Because that's the problem. They say the safeties can't cover. Still, the way Carolina's played at home, I don't think they've lost at home. Uh, no, they lost at another one game. 
It's confidence. It's confidence could a lot of players at home. As good as they play at home, the way they spread, they spread you out too. And Cam has been Cam, Cam, Cam this year to me, with what he, with 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 with, with the personnel he has, he's had a season like a Tom Brady type season. The way he's played, you know, the way he's played, the way Greg Olson's played, uh, the, the tight end. I mean, Cam has had a great year. I, I, I will say this: they're going, they got to go out there and play outdoors. It's going to be cold up there. They got to play in Carolina. It's going to be some weather issues up there, probably. If you tell me what it's going to be, I can't pick. Against, if they ain't lost all year, I can't go against Carolina at home. I can't pick them. I can't pick. I can't pick Arizona to beat them at home. It's supposed to be in the 30s in Carolina, so it's supposed to be a little cold. I, I mean, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I look at it, and I think Carolina has. You look at Carolina, and the more you look at it, the more you think it's their season to get to the Super Bowl. Whether they win it, I'm not sure, but it just seems like it's their time. But I will say this. What I saw in that second half where, where Seattle was able to kind of throw the football a little effectively against um, – Seattle was able to throw the football effectively against uh, 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 that team in the sec- Carolina in the second half. They were able to get the ball down the field. Baldwin and those boys were able to get the ball. And I look at you got Fitzgerald, you got Floyd, you got Brown on that Cardinal side. You know, Speedster and John Brown. You got Michael Floyd. You got uh, uh, Larry Fitzgerald. So you got boys that can really, really, you know, Brown can fly. Uh, you know, okay, what about, about the D line of Carolina? What about the D line? That's true, but at the same time, you know, and, and Russell Wilson. Yeah, 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 Paul. Paul. Carson Palmer can't run around like Russell Wilson and throw the ball up. They gotta protect him. You're talking about Russell Wilson, who's been to the Super Bowl two years in a row, who runs around all around in the pocket, who makes plays. Russell Wilson is a great quarterback, especially when he's scrambling around. Carson Palmer's not gonna be able to make some of the plays that Russell Wilson made in that game last week. That part is true, but I, I will say this: I think uh, Arizona has better weapons. I mean, they're better receivers, I think, in Floyd and Fitzgerald and those boys. I agree with you. I agree with so you. So with that being, with that being, with that being said, I think you 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 look at this particular football game, and, and I think plays can be made down the field against you know that safety play, Kirk Coleman or Roman Harper, not the who's who's of safeties in the National Football League. Those are you know you can make plays against those boys, and we'll see. They're not going to play as fast on that track as they did in Arizona either. We're talking about outdoors and on the field. When, when it gets a little dirty and, and missy and muggy and, 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 and dirty, the field gets messed up. You're not going to be running as fast flying by people on that field like you are in, indoors. That is true. That part is true. But, again, I, th- I think this is Carolina's year. I think Carolina will win this football game. Uh, but at at the same time, I not I, I'm saying that Arizona does see Carolina. I think has that special feel, but Arizona has a little feel about them too that that makes you believe that they can most definitely win this particular football game. And I just think they have they 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 can spread the field. They can you know they can get some plays down the field. They can make some plays down the field with those wide receivers. So I think, you know, plays can be made by Arizona against that Carolina defense. But to your point, Green Bay was able to get after Car- uh, uh, Carson Palmer a little bit. 
And, you know, Carolina does have a better, better pass rush and a better defense than the Green Bay Packers. So, I mean, it's going to be fun. And, you know, I, I'm interested. I, I, would I, love I, think both game, I think both games are going to be very competitive. I like Arizona's defense. I love Freeney. The Freeney pickup was great. That big kid in the middle, uh, Campbell, that big kid, 93, has had an outstanding year. I mean, I, I, mean, I, 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 like, I like Arizona. I, I like Arizona's secondary. I think losing the honey badger might hurt him some. It's safety. Patrick Peterson is one of the best corners in the league. Schools or little leagues, 
But uh, we're really excited because you can it fits on your license plate, and if you already have a metal license plate on your car, you can still put that on there with this. You don't have to remove that when you put that on there. And it's, ten, it's standard on every car, and, and like I said, uh, we're excited about it because uh, it's another thing for the true sports fans, football fans, and uh, sports fans to be able to uh, put something on their car or put it on their wall or or just put a put a nice picture of your kid playing ball in it, uh, 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 Paul, put your kid's picture in it and put, and, and put it up at your house. So okay. you can use them for different purposes, but uh, the website should be launching it soon in the next couple of weeks. So everybody go to FrameYourGameAndBack.com and uh, uh, check us out if we get going. For sure. So fans, FrameYourGame.com. Make sure you head over there. Support this venture. It should be a, a lot of fun. You know, at this point, like you said, there's no NFL licensing, but college. So get your favorite college team and, and get military, it. Military. You, you know, we support the military too. We got the military okay. one. And uh, you know, you know, breast cancer. So. You know, we're just getting started, Paul, but we're going to branch out in an uh, American-made, American company. Everything's made made and manufactured in America. So, you know, this this isn't uh, foreign. This is, uh, all this is done for the USA, and it's, uh, it's the state in the United States. For sure. Again, fans, FrameYourGame.com. Support all the great things going on with Willie Rofe. Support all the great things going on with FrameYourGame.com. So, Willie, just so we're clear, before we get out of here, you like Carolina and Denver in the Super Bowl. I like Carolina and Denver. I want to see. I, I want to see Peyton get one more. You know, I, I, I love. I like New England. You know, I, I don't like. But you know, you know, I'm a Tom Brady fan. You know, I don't like. I don't want to go. I don't. My heart. Well, you know, my heart wants Peyton Manning to get another chance. Am I? Am I? Am I? Am I picking him with my heart? or Am I really? Picking them the way I should pick them, with Edelman and, and those guys back, and the way I saw Tom Brady play last week compared to Peyton Manning, you, I, 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 I want to see Peyton Manning go out on a high note. I don't think he'll be able, if he gets there. I think it's Cam's year. And I think it's Carolina's year, but I would like to see Peyton Manning go out better than he did because the last time he played in the Super Bowl, it wasn't too pretty. So we'll see what happens. Willie, pleasure talking to you, man. Thank you for having me. Hall of Famer, Willie Rofe. We'll see what happens championship weekend. We're going to bring another guy. We're going to bring in a champion. We're going to bring in an actual champion. This man, uh, WBA middleweight champion. This man, uh, first-round knockout of Peter Quillen, Kid, Kid Chocolate, Peter Quillen, the other, uh, back in December. So this man's on top of the world, on top of the boxing world, doing big things in his community, doing big things in the ring. Let's bring him in now, WBA middleweight champion, the miracle man, Daniel Jacobs. Danny. Hey, guys. Hey, hey. How are you? <laughs> doing well. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Daniel, it, it's been over a month, man, since that first-round knockout over P- uh, Peter Quilling, Kid Chocolate. 85 seconds, man. <laughs> Looking back on it, did, did you realize and did, did you think it would be that easy? Were you surprised how easy it was? Man, I'm still, you know, I'm still on cloud nine. It actually still kind of feels like yesterday. You know, uh, when, when I caught him with the shot, you know, I still was kind of surprised that Peter Quillen got hurt like that. And to finish him in 85 seconds, man, that was a, an astonishing performance for myself. And, you know, me riding the wave, I'm just, 
uh, anxious to see what's next for the future for me. Because, you know, with a performance like that, it, it's bound to be bright. Some question to stoppage. I thought it was a good stoppage at the time. I thought at the time, you know, Peter Quillen really, really could have got hurt in that particular ring. Looking back on it, good stoppage? Uh, yeah, I agree. I think it's a good stoppage. I think um, it's all in the eyes. You know, you have a chance to really look at the fight and look at Peter Quillen's, you know, posture and his eyes and just his body language. Everything was screaming to that he wasn't, uh, you know, coherent to, to fight. And, and he wasn't, you know, really – he didn't really have his two cents to, to go on. So it was in his best benefit for the referee to stop the fight. Did did uh, Peter Quillen do everything that you expected, everything that you scouted? Um, I don't even think he got a chance to really open up. And, and, and I, I knew he would be slow. That I knew. And, and, and I was always saying that before going into the fight, that that would probably be one of my biggest advantage. You know, even going into the fight, I had the higher knockout percent uh, ratio. Uh, he still was a stronger guy. So a lot of people thought he would knock me out. Um, so for me to hurt him like that, like I said before, was a shocker for everyone. And for me to stop him was an even, you know, bigger shocker. So, yeah, I'm just very proud of myself. Yeah, that, I mean, that was, that, was, that was very, very unexpected. 85 seconds, wow. That was crazy. We're talking to uh, middleweight champion, WBA middleweight champion, Daniel Jacobs. And, Daniel, what's next now? Who's next for you? I mean, Chris Eubank is your mandatory. Will he be next? Billy Joe Saunders, who has the WBO belt, will he be next? Who's next? Uh, right now, it's just uh, I think everybody's in negotiations right now. Um, not as far as opponent, but just scouting opponents and seeing exactly what's out there, who wants to fight them. Um, Obviously, there's mandatories to that. You know, we might have to fight in Chris Eubanks Jr., but from what I'm hearing, I don't know if he actually wants to fight. So right now it's just a toss-up, but um, I'm looking forward to coming back in May sometime and okay. uh, hopefully come back around in the summer. So, you know, maybe we can get a top guy that the fans know and want to see uh, over the summer. But next time around, uh, I'm not sure yet. Let me ask you this. We, we look at the middleweight division. When you talk about the middleweight division, you got to talk about Triple G, Gennady Golovkin. And, and, you know, obviously he is the guy you talk about when you talk about the middleweight division. But because of politics, it, it might be difficult for you guys to ever get in the ring. Let me ask you this. How does Daniel Jacobs stack up against Triple G? I think a lot of people definitely uh, realize now, uh, especially with my last performance, that you know, there's a lot to respect when it comes to my game and what I have to offer inside that ring. I think a lot of people think that, you know, uh, you know, oh, you know, whereas before they just looked at Daniel as just, you know, the, the, the new champion, the, the cancer survivor guy who's just coming up. And now with this impressive victory, people really respect my game. So, you know, I think a guy like Triple D, who's the top man of the, uh, of the division, you know, I think a lot of people uh, would either see it fairly even. So, uh, that's something to come in the near future, and I'm excited about it. But, um, you know, as I continue to climb that ladder, I'm just having fun. Let me also ask you this now. Canelo Alvarez has the WBC middleweight belt. How do you stack up against Canelo? Uh, <laughs> I mean, with all due respect, man, I, I look at Canelo as food. I think he's just, you know, he's like he's the prey in, in the division. You know, he has the main belt, which is the WBC but, you know, he's not really uh, – skill-wise, he's really good. He's really good skill-wise, but he's not a true middleweight. 
And, you know, it's inside that ring when you have a physical advantage like that going against a, a true middleweight, against somebody like myself or a Triple G or someone like that, you know, it's it, that could be the difference in the fight. So, you know, that's how I look at Canelo. I would love to fight. Um, if the powers to be can make it happen, I would love to make it happen. But, um, you know, how I see that fight is probably me stopping Canelo. Okay. All right. And Canelo's probably going to fight Triple G sometime during this year. So oh, we'll see how it all uh, shakes out. We're talking to WBA middleweight champion Danny Jacobs. And, and Danny, I want to ask you this now. Back in 2011, you were diagnosed with a with a deadly form of bone cancer. Ultimately, you survived it. Ultimately, you overcome, overcame it. Ultimately, you're cancer-free. But before you got the diagnosis, did you notice anything different with your health? I mean, I just, I've, I've always had back problems throughout my trainings, uh, and, and especially leading up to uh, that, you know, the, the situation when it all unfolded. Uh, I, I really started to have back problems, and I, I would complain to my trainer. You know, my trainer is a real strict, stern type of guy, so he always thought I was just complaining. But, you know, I really had back issues, and then, you know, when everything kind of unfolded, you know, it, it all makes sense, and then, you know, at the worst point, you know, when I was paralyzed, I was just like, you know, how could this all have come about? For sure, for sure. Let me also ask you this. Did you, obviously you're at the top of the sport right now, but after battling cancer and then after making that return to boxing, did you see yourself, honestly speaking, did you see yourself getting back to the top? Um, I mean, I think ultimately it's it's something that you envision. Uh, I don't think you, especially this fast, I mean, 18 months, you know, I've been out the game and then to come back and, you know, it's, it's what, a couple, maybe two years, two and a half, three years maybe, you know, to, to receive a title and then defend it three times and then, you know, look impressive as I've been doing. I mean, it's a shocker to myself. So, you know, it's it's also extra motivation because, you know, this wasn't right. supposed to be my life, you know what I mean? So for, sure. for this to come about, you know, I, it definitely serves, the nickname Miracle Man, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. Do, yeah. do, you, do you feel like? Do you feel like? I mean, obviously, no one wants to get cancer. No one, obviously. Right, right. But on, on some level, you doing what you're doing has been a big time inspiration for many out there. Talk about that. I mean, yeah. I mean, just you know, just all that I've gone through, and just you know, when people look at my situation, and now that I have that platform where a lot of people know who I am and, you know, fans of what I do uh, for a living, you know, it's just, you know, it serves as a great motivation to people, you know, coming overcoming what I've gone through just inside and outside of the ring and, you know, coming back and just, you know, doing what I'm doing, not only inside the ring, but my work's inside the community as well. I mean, a lot of people are just, you know, very supportive of the work that I'm doing. And it just feels incredible because, you know, the philanthropy work I never thought I would be, you know, uh, doing at such a young age. And, you know, it's just such an incredible feeling to give back in the way that I do. And, and like I said before, I just try to use my, you know, my platform and just my exposure to the best of my ability. For sure. And and, and at any, any point during, your, you know, going through and, and, and fighting this cancer, did you have doubts? I mean, did, did you say to yourself at times, I don't know if I can do this. Did you say to yourself at times, I don't think I'll I'll be able to do this. I mean, it is, I mean doubts crept my mind I mean, every day. <laughs> you know, there was times where I cried. There was times where I, you know, thought this would never be a possibility for me even walk correctly. You know, at a point where I had to 
learn how to walk again. You know, it was just such a hard task to overcome. And, you know, doubt always crept in my mind and my future wasn't looking bright at one point. So, yeah, it definitely did. But, you know, like I said, boxing was one of those things that, you know, teach you that mental strength to always overcome all your obstacles, no matter how difficult they are. And, you know, by, uh, cancer was just, you know, another opponent for me. And, you know, I TKO'd the first round. <laughs> it was a nice <laughs> knockout, you know what I mean? <laughs> 84 seconds? 84 seconds. <laughs> We're talking to WBA middleweight champion Danny Jacobs. And now, Danny, I, I want to ask you this. You, you got... Floyd Mayweather, who is retired for now. With that being said, could Danny Jacobs possibly become one of the faces of boxing? I mean, I think I think a lot. I think a lot. You know, it's, it's definitely a possibility. I mean, I think um, you know it's up for grabs. I mean, a guy like myself who has such an incredible story and just the skill to back it up. You know, and just you know, boxing needs a new face. Boxing needs you know, with, with all the controversy behind Floyd Mayweather, I think boxing needs a new twist it's not about you know stereotypes where people think boxers always have to be angry or always have to be the bad guy to you know right. to, to sell tickets or just you know to to be that way you know I'm, that's not me naturally so i don't i couldn't see myself being that way uh to to you know to to, to sell tickets but either way you know i'm just happy to be in a position that i am and i think so many guys like myself keith thurman andre ward those guys like that are just gentlemen of the sports. And I think, right. you know, with right. talent like that as well, it doesn't matter really who is the top guy at the division to replace Floyd. I mean, it's just as long as it's one of the gentlemen, that's all I care about. Let me ask you this. And, and you know, Floyd, the way Floyd did it, one of the ways, obviously Floyd won a lot of fights. Obviously he's undefeated. But another way he did it was, you know, like you said, through that money persona, and and also you know he was the villain, but you, you saw all the girls, all the money, all the you know all the different things that come with the Floyd Mayweather uh, and his persona. Is it possible that the public will actually buy a gentleman? You know what I'm saying? You understand what I'm saying? Will pub will the public buy a gentleman? I mean, I think. Um, I mean, I think so. Yeah. I mean, you know, and look at the platform that we have now. You know, we have such a variety and. And, and such a mass of people to reach to that we have free network TV that we fight on. We fight on Fox and NBC and, you know, so many other networks. So we have a, a, a we can have the opportunity to have a huge following. And I think, you know, uh, the, the parents and, and the, the kids, and if you see guys like myself or guys like, you know, Keith Thurman, guys like that who come from, you know, maybe harsh backgrounds, but turn into something positive and conduct themselves in the right way, you know, boxing back in the day was, was a gentleman's sport and back in the day it was a gladiator thing but it was number one sport in the world you know and we're trying to bring it back to those days where we're not looked at as the villains we're looked at as heroes and gladiators well well, uh, so, well i mean we'll see i mean uh, we'll we'll see if uh, uh you know a gentleman actually can uh sell and and you know right. be popular <laughs> and you know be the face of boxing i mean i i, I I mean, as much as I love Floyd Mayweather in the ring, and this is not a knock on Floyd Mayweather, and I'm not judging Floyd Mayweather, that that whole act, to me, got a little old, got a little stale. But, hey, I mean, right. it, it is what it is. That's what he does. It is what it is. We're, we're talking sure. to uh, WBA middleweight champion Danny Jacobs. And, Danny, you're doing big things outside the ring with your foundation, getting the ring foundation, the Daniel Jacobs Foundation. Tell us about it. Tell us some of the great things you're doing. 
Oh, man, like I said, you know, just the philanthropy work that I got into a couple of years ago has just been phenomenal. You know, just over the years, just reaching out to so many kids and uh, so many people and touching so many people's hearts. I mean, it's such an amazing, great accomplishment to be able to touch so many people like that. It's, It's almost surprising to me to see how powerful, you know, but what we do is with my foundation, uh, we talk to children uh, who are going through cancer uh, financially, uh, mentally, and, you know, physically. We try our best to, you know, do as much as we can. And we visit hospitals and, and things like that. We actually come this Monday. We actually are going to go to uh, Children's Hospital up here in New York. Uh, but also things we also okay. target is obesity, uh, kids with obesity, and uh, kids are going through bullying within the schools. So we have different programs that we were set up. Uh, here in New York, and, uh, you know, I'm very proud of it, and uh, it's growing by the day, and it's just a great accomplishment. You know, one of the things that I, I love to mention is that, you know, boxing uh, is, is a hero sport, and, and I remember growing up and hearing stories about Muhammad Ali and Sugar Ray Leonard and all the infamous boxing guys who, you know, were, were, were Hall of Famers but were golden because of what they represented outside. I've always told myself that if I was in a position, you know, to, to be that guy, that I would, you know, do my part to be the people's champion. So, you know, it's just one of the greatest feelings uh, and accomplishments that, you know, I've ever had in my life. For sure, for sure. And, and you're doing big things, and obviously your story, it's a miracle story. Thus, you are the miracle man, no doubt about it. And, and fans, make sure you support all the great things going on with Danny, Danny Jacobs. Go to getinthering.net. Support, support his foundation. He's doing big things uh, in the community. Also, hit him up on Twitter at Daniel Jacobs TKO. Support all the great things going on there. Also, hit him up on his Facebook page, uh, uh, Get in the Ring Foundation, and support all the great things going on with Danny Jacobs, the Miracle Man. Let me ask you this: End of the day, are you the best middleweight in the world? At the end of the day, I'm the very best middleweight in the world. Point blank, period. Okay. All right. Bottom line, he said it. He's the best <laughs> middleweight in the world, and Indeed. we'll we'll see if you know as to as we go throughout the years, uh, if he'll stay the greatest, the best middleweight right. in the world. And, and, I, and that's I, the I, great I, thing about the sport because boxing right. is a sport that you can say, but it's about proving yourself. And I've always loved that because it's the challenge, and I love getting up for challenges. So to be the best. You have to be the best, and obviously, we know Triple G right now is the best in the division, and I got to get over that guy as well to be considered the best middleweight in the world. We'll get there for sure. Let me let me ask you this before we get out of here. I, I, I know the politics are the politics. Is it frustrating at times with dealing with the boxing politics and knowing that because you know Triple G is with HBO and <laughs> and you know you're with PBC and. You know, most of the PBC fighters either fight on Showtime or on network television. Does that frustrate you a little bit dealing with the politics of boxing, or it, or is it just the nature of the game? I mean, it's definitely the nature of the game. I mean, we know that it's been that for, for ages, and I think, um, you know, slowly transitioning to where, you know, boxing promoters were able to work with each other. But there's been, you know, some type of stagnant going on lately with, uh, I can't really name. You know, we we all know the people who won't work with each other, but I think uh, with the right. Mayweather and Pacquiao being able to happen, 
being that that was such a, a big deal as far as pro- promoters and networks not wanting sure. to work with each other. The fact that that was able to be made, I think, going into the future, it would be that much easier for fights like me and Triple G to happen or me and Canelo to happen, uh, even though, you know, we don't share the same uh, promotional management. No doubt about it. And one more before we get out of here. At the end of the day, if, if, if Danny Jacobs was God and he was able to pick the fighter that he could fight next, who would it be? Uh, probably be Canelo. Okay. All right. Probably be Canelo. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> I, I would like to see that one. I would like to see that yeah. one. Hopefully we can see it. I don't think we'll see it in 2016, but I will definitely no, I don't see think it in so. 2017. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Danny, a pleasure, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do this thing again. Indeed, my brother. I appreciate you the very best. Thank you. Take care. God bless. WBA middleweight champion Danny Jacobs. It was a pleasure talking to him. I mean, tremendous story. I mean, coming from where he came from and overcoming what he overcame. I mean, that, that, that's big time. And and you know, to not only overcome it, but to get back into the to the boxing ring and to be able to be a champion to get back to the top of the sport. It, it's one thing to come back. It's another thing to come back and get to the top of the sport. And that's what Danny Jacobs has done. He got to the top of the sport, and he came back, and he's now at the top of the sport. And, and hopefully he can continue to to get higher in the sport. And, and, again, I would love to see Canelo. I would love to see Triple G. But, you know, the politics are the politics, and it comes to territory. It is what it is. Steve Kerr's back. Steve Kerr is, is, is back on the sideline uh, with the Golden State Warriors. He's back. And, you know, he, he said it, quote, I was doing like MJ did and sent a fax out that just says I'm back. But I don't think faxes, do they, do they exist at this point? I don't know. I don't even do fax machines exist. They do exist. But I, I guess at this point, people really, if you think about it, people don't really use fax machines anymore. But anyway, you look at the Golden State Warriors, obviously they're flowing with Luke Walton as the coach. And this is a great opportunity for Luke Walton because now Luke Walton, he's going to be on the minds of GMs throughout the around the league when job openings when when jobs are opening because obviously Luke Walton has done a tremendous job with the Golden State Warriors. Obviously Luke Walton has 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 you know led this team to a possible where they're on the not on the verge but you know led this team possibly to a, a seventy plus season seventy plus win season. So I mean you got to look at Luke Walton now. You got to say wow okay, this guy can legitimately coach in the National Basketball Association, and, and maybe this guy will be uh, – he's going to be a coaching candidate. And, and this helped his situation big time. But it also may have shown that maybe Mark Jackson on some level uh, should have – or should be getting a little more credit. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I, I can't take anything away. I, I can't take anything away from, from – uh, what I saw out of, uh, uh, I can't even talk right now. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> but I, I can't take anything away from Steve Kerr and what he has done in terms of the Golden State Warriors coach and what he has put this, what the position has put this basketball team in. But at the same time, the same time, part of me would look at Mark Jackson and was like, man, this was his team. And maybe it, was, it took Steve Kerr to to come in and and take this team to the next level. But they were still. It, it wasn't like 
they weren't trending upward when Mark Jackson was fired. But I guess they felt, you know, Mark Jackson obviously didn't get along with a lot of people in the building. But at the same time, I don't know. I mean, Steph Curry became a better player. Draymond Green became a better player. And so all these guys it became better. Draymond, better, better. Clay, better. They just became better. Harrison Barnes, better. They became better players. Who Maybe it wouldn't have happened under Mark Jackson. I don't know. But I do know one thing. I do know one thing. And I know this. The Golden State Warriors on the verge of possibly 70 wins. The Golden State Warriors won an NBA title last season, and the coach was Steve Kerr. So whether you, whether in my opinion, Mark Jackson could have possibly gotten them there too, you know, maybe. But at the same time, at the end of the day, they're there. They won championships, and Steve Kerr is the coach. Second hour of Go For It starts right now. Welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean anything in the playoffs, time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. That's not Robbie. That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. (laughs) And we're back. Last half hour of Go For It, starting right now. And as we go to the last half hour, we're going to talk about a few things, talk about some of the new coaches in the National Football League. Got to talk about championship weekend again. Sum it all up. Get it all ready. Get yourself all ready to go for what we might see uh, this this weekend in the National Football League. So we're going to talk about that as well. Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly, now the coach in San Francisco. Chip Kelly, we all know what happened in Philadelphia. Got a little personnel control, and, and it fell apart. You know, made deals, traded LaShawn McCoy to get Kiko Alonso. That didn't work out. Brought in DeMarco Murray. DeMarco Murray didn't fit the system. That didn't work out. You look at uh, Sam Bradford for Nick Foles, maybe a wash, but you did give up a second-round pick in that particular deal. You, you look at uh, you know the wide receiver situation, you don't re-sign Jeremy Mack, and obviously you give away Deshaun Jackson for nothing, you release him, and you don't really replace 
the wide receiver position. You don't upgrade the wide receiver position. You bring in Nelson Aguilar, uh, the rookie, who you know still could be a big-time wide receiver in this league, but at the same time, he obviously is not ready to be uh, a big-time. He wasn't ready to be a big-time wide receiver. wasn't ready to replace the productivity that you got out of uh, Jeremy Macklin. So that situation didn't work didn't work out for the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, all those moves kind of backfired at the end of the day for Chip Kelly. Obviously, he wasn't really getting, you know, him and Jeffrey Lurie weren't seeing eye to eye. Obviously, Chip Kelly, there was talks that he didn't really know how to relate to his players. You had that situation. You also had the situation when you look at that Philadelphia Eagles defense over the past two seasons with that fast-paced hurry-up offense where that defense broke down and was broke down at the end of the year. Injuries really, really hurt that defense near the end of that football season, both football seasons, last year and this year as well, where they had some injury issues on the defensive side of the ball. So you look at it and you have questions of whether or not this offensive system can work in the National Football League. Obviously, you look at the Philadelphia Eagles and they have they didn't necessarily have the quarterback that you would think ideally would be able to run a Chip Kelly offense, a guy that could be able to run. Sam Bradford couldn't run. Nick Foles couldn't run. Michael Vick didn't spend much time in his offense. Now you're going to San Francisco. You've got a guy in Colin Kaepernick who has the ability to run, but who has shown the ability to not be able to throw from the pocket effectively. Who's really, really, I mean, you've seen what you, the year that he got his team to the Super Bowl, you saw a guy who can fling that rock. You, you saw a guy who was putting up some big-time numbers. You saw a guy, what, put up 300-plus yards in the Super Bowl against the Baltimore Ravens. You saw that guy. And then it started to go downhill. He didn't progress. Defenses adjusted. He didn't progress. He didn't adjust. And he wasn't the same quarterback. And now you look at the situation with the San Francisco 49ers, and now they have Chip Kelly. And now they have Chip Kelly may have found his quarterback, the guy that can run his system. The guy that can who can legitimately run the Chip Kelly offense, a running quarterback, a quarterback that you have to account for, a quarterback when he sticks that hand that ball in the belly of a running back, you know that that quarterback can take the ball out of the belly of the running back and run. So that man, so is Colin Kaepernick the guy for the job? Time will be the judge of that. And we'll see if Colin Kaepernick will be the guy when it's all said and done. Or, or do they go in a different direction? But I, I, I would think Colin Kaepernick would, would be the ideal fit for the Chip Kelly offense. I would think he would be the ideal fit. And, and so I look at it, and, and I wonder now, I wonder, does Chip Kelly now learn from what happened in Philadelphia? Does he talk to his players more and becomes a little more personable? Does he, does he you know, go back a little bit on his offense and, and, and maybe make some adjustments in terms of, you know, maybe slowing it down a smidge? Maybe. Or does he continue on? doing what Chip Kelly does and, and believe that his system is his system and his system can get it done. You, you got the sense with Chip Kelly, it was 
you know, no matter who you put in there, plug and play, baby. It was plug and play. Plug this one in. It'll be okay. Take this one out. Put this one in. It's fine. Talent don't matter. Talent don't matter. Not about talent. It's about it's about the system. My system can get guys open. My system turned an average quarterback like Nick Foles, and Nick Foles was below average this year. But my system turned an average quarterback like Nick Foles into 27 touchdowns to two interceptions. Granted, Deshaun Jackson was on the field. Granted, LaShawn McCoy was on the field. Granted, Evan Mathis was big time, and Jason Peters was on the field. But at the same time, 27 touchdowns, it's only two interceptions, it's big time. Granted, that was the first year of his system, and defensive coordinators may have caught up. But it's one of those situations now where Chip came out firing, hitting him with the jab, hitting him with that jab, uppercuts here and there, body blows. Chip came out firing, haymakers. Then defense is adjusted. And now when defense is adjusted, Chip, talent-wise, didn't have anything to go back. At the end of the day, when, when, when you're Chip Kelly and you have an opportunity, when you get personnel control, and granted, part of the reason you wanted personnel control is, you know, the guy who was in charge of personnel, theoretically, and, and, and Howie Roseman is a guy that you necessarily didn't trust, didn't like, didn't believe in. But when you make that move, the moves that you make, which were radical at the time. I mean, you know, people were shaking their head. What's he doing? Well, Sean McCoy, what's he doing? Sam Bradford coming off an ACL, what are you doing? Not re-signing Jeremy Macklin? What's he th- what are you thinking? Giving Riley Cooper five years, $25 million? Are you serious? And granted, that was before he had full personnel control. But at the same time, Riley Cooper has been abysmal. And no one was giving Riley Cooper that money. No one. You had so much leverage in that situation. Riley Cooper was coming off the whole situation where he's calling guys the N-word. Come on. You you think teams would have took a chance and, and brought that into their locker room, you know, dealing with that whole situation for a guy who's marginally talented? I don't think so. But I, I, I look at Chip Kelly, and I'm not ready to, to, to close the book on Chip Kelly. I wasn't one of these guys who was, was, you know, saying, oh, Chip, Chip, and Chip, we trust, and all that other stuff. I wasn't one of those guys. I, I You know, I had a wait-and-see approach. But, you know, sometimes the first stop, it don't always work out. Didn't work out for Pete Carroll first couple times in the National Football League with the Jets and with the Patriots. Then he came on back after had some had some big time seasons in uh, UC at USC. He had some big seasons there. He came on back to the National Football League and very fortunate to get Russell Wilson. But he was able to build that defense. The Seattle defense was built. They built a nice defense, 
And they had a quarter found a franchise quarterback. That helps. But Pete Carroll came on back, and he's had success. Lots of it. Bill Belichick, he struck out his first time with the Cleveland Browns. You know, we were talking about Bill Belichick in terms of him not being personable. We, we've heard some of those things when it comes to Bill Belichick. But it don't matter when you're winning. When you, when, when, when you see, when guys see you're winning, guys are going to follow. And you knew the moment that this Chip Kelly situation stopped winning. When you knew when 10-6 and six became 7-9, and nine, you knew that could have possibly been an issue. You knew it. But this time around, maybe Chip will be different. Maybe. I mean, here's the thing about, uh, uh, you know, Chip said he doesn't want nothing to do with, uh, he doesn't want complete control, and we'll see what happens, and we'll see if that's truly the case. But here's also the thing. Here's also the thing. You know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And, And so Chip Kelly would be insane to go to San Francisco and do the same things that he did in Philadelphia and expect a different result. At the end of the day, this is the National Football League. At the end of the day, you're dealing with men. At the end of the day, these, these guys, these are guys who are not on scholarship. This isn't college. You, you, these guys are not in college anymore. Players win championships. Bill Belichick is not winning a championship without Tom Brady. Pete Carroll is not winning a championship without Russell Wilson or that Legion of Boom defense. Not happening. Players win championships. You need players. Deshaun Jackson, I'm not saying he's a championship player, but he's big time. Jeremy Macklin was big time. Deshaun McCoy, big time in your offense. Scott's flourished in your offense. Nick Foles flourished in your offense. Nick Foles you know, won in your system. He won football games. He won football games. And, and so with all that being said, all that being said, and, and just looking at what happened and what transpired, I hope Chip Kelly has learned his lesson. I hope Chip Kelly can possibly, you know, become a better coach. Maybe, maybe. This time around, maybe this time around, be different. Maybe this time around will be it will be different, and, and maybe, who knows? Maybe Chip will be a better coach. Uh, maybe Chip will talk to guys in the hallways. Maybe Chip will be able to relate to players a little more, a little better this time. We'll see. Back to the big story of the day, the NBA, David Blatt out as the Cavaliers coach, Ty Lue in as the Cavaliers coach, not interim, in permanently as the coach. There was talk there was a three-year deal given to Ty Lue, but at that point, there, you know, the David Griffin of the Cavaliers has said that's not necessarily true, so who knows at this point. And, and it was... I guess it was it was odd on some level, but I guess not, not. You know, some of the people are saying that this is not necessarily surprising. There, there has been some whispers about this possibly happen, 
But it was a surprise, I guess, from my standpoint, you're coming off a victory, and you are in first place in the Eastern Conference. But as I said, as we had Willie Rofe on earlier, and as I said, this move is not about what uh, – this is not about winning the Eastern Conference. This is about winning the NBA title, and ultimately that could possibly mean – you know, Steve, I heard Stephen A. Smith believe that there's possibly some more moves out there. There's some more shoes to drop. And, you know, that's a possibility. Who knows? But I've always said, you know, you look at you look at Kevin Love and you look at the the the, the Cavaliers and it was almost like Kevin Love he wasn't he didn't I didn't say I won't say he didn't fit, but he wasn't missed. Like when you in the NBA finals, you know it was a done deal when Kyrie went down. You knew it was the, well, let's even go back when Kevin Love went down the first round you knew this team was still championship caliber. You knew they would be okay. But when Kyrie Irving went down in game one against the Golden State Warriors, you knew it was a wrap. You knew it was a wrap. And I don't even think if they had, you know, if they had Kyrie instead of Kevin Love, I think obviously they would have had a better – not obviously, but I think they would have had a better chance to win the NBA Finals. But if you look at – they played Golden State twice this year with their full cast of characters, Love, Irving, everybody. And, and it didn't matter. It, it, it didn't matter, you, you, and and Golden State has the ability. At, at some points, not at some points, they have the ability to to fire off those games where you know they're just on, uh, unconscious, where where guys are hitting threes left and right, where where you know Curry he can't miss or or Clay he can't miss. They have the potential and the ability to do that night in and night out. And at times they'll embarrass you. They they embarrass Cleveland. They went in and embarrassed Chicago as well. So they can embarrass you, and they have embarrassed teams throughout the course of this season. So I, I mean, I, I'm saying you can't read too much into that blowout loss against you know the Cavaliers blowout loss. But you know, at the same time, I'm not inside that building. I'm not inside the locker room. You know, and and I heard Brendan Haywood say, you know, that Ty Lue was was so quick to challenge LeBron and while David Platt really wasn't challenging LeBron, wouldn't challenge LeBron if they're watching, they're in a film session, and, and LeBron is, 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 is not in position, Ty Lue would challenge him. David Platt wouldn't necessarily do that. And, and so, you know, I, I, maybe, I, I mean, I would like to see David Platt get another opportunity because, you know, this, this, this was a tough situation. This is a tough situation. First of all, you're a coach in Europe, and now you're coming over here. So you're, 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 you're going to have to try to prove yourself. You're, you're, prove, you're going to have to prove yourself to NBA players. Like, hey, this guy's from Europe. What does he know about the league? You know? And, and you got a guy, conversely, Ty Lue, who's played in the league, and like I said, who's well-respected in this league as a coach in the National Basketball Association. So, I, I mean, it, you just look at it from that standpoint, and maybe this move was inevitable. You, you, the, the more you, you hear people talking about it, the more you realize this move was, was, was bound to happen at some point, that this move was inevitable, that in, in, inevitably uh, David Blatt would be out and inevitably Ty Lue would be in as the head coach. You, you, you saw this move kind of coming on some level. Not so, it, I mean, it's not shocking. You, you're not with your mouth wide open. You know, some people thought it was going to happen at the end of last season. Some people thought that was gonna it was gonna happen then, but it didn't. But you you've seen instances where you 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 didn't necessarily believe that LeBron James believed in David Platt. 
You saw situations maybe where the team as a whole didn't believe in David Blatt. And you saw the situation in that game against Chicago where Blatt, you know, called that timeout. That wasn't a timeout. That would have cost them that game against the Cavaliers. Uh, was it game four? It would have cost them that game four and ultimately would have cost them that series against the Chicago Bulls. I believe the Bulls were, the, they were up 2-1 at the time. Derrick Rose just hit that buzzer beater in that next game. Uh, in Chicago, LeBron hits a buzzer beater to, to tie the series at two. But David Blatt, at, the one, at, at a key moment in that particular game, tried to call a timeout. They didn't have any timeouts. And if the timeout was granted, I know I believe Ty Lue stopped him. Ty Lue was the one who stopped him. And if that timeout was granted, it would have been a tactical, and the Bulls probably wouldn't win that one that football, well, not football, won that basketball game. So I, I'm saying that to say this. I'm saying all that to say this. To say this. You look at this move, and now you, you want this move again. It's not about winning the Eastern Conference because they could they they're poised and ready to do that. This move is about it's about beating San Antonio. It's about beating Golden State and maybe another move needs to happen to make sure and to ensure that that could possibly happen. And could it be possible that LeBron James will turn into and I go LeBron James is one of his championships, but could LeBron James turn into Patrick Ewing? Could turn into Reggie Miller? could turn into one of these guys, Chris Webber on some level who couldn't get by Shaq and Kobe. Could could he turn into could he turn could 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 LeBron always run into Steph Curry? Could Steph Curry be that guy that stops LeBron from winning a championship and bringing the championship to Cleveland? Could Steph Curry be that guy? Could Golden State Warriors, could they be that team? That's gonna be interesting to see. But LeBron wants the championship. And again, at the end of the day, I said this earlier and I'll repeat it, ain't no way this move is happening without the blessing of LeBron James. I'm sorry. And I think I think we can all, all agree with that. But we'll see. I look at now, we, we, we're going back to championship weekend. And, you know, championship weekend is fun. Championship, this is the first time since 1990 where you had the two top seeds in both conferences in the championship game, I thought the Steelers could have. I thought the Steelers could have and should have beat the Denver Broncos last week. And in that game, I was watching and I was expecting the Steelers to put the game away, and they didn't do it. And they had that costly fumble, and that was it. Denver Peyton Manning made some big time throws down the stretch there to get Denver down the field. And ultimately, Denver was able to run the ball effectively. They did a good job running the football. They had over 100 yards combined running the football, so that helped. And, and I think they're going to need that same type of effort on the ground. New England is banged up on, on, def- on the defense. They're banged up defensively. So that, that you know, Jamie Collins is questionable in this game. So, you, you got, I mean, you got banged up players on the Patriots' side. They're, they're banged up. And so them being banged up on the defensive side of the ball could be trouble. Could be trouble. But we'll see. We'll definitely see. Um, but at the, at the same time, at the same time, I, I think in terms of quarterbacks, in, in, in terms 
of of who do you trust in this particular spot? Who do you trust? I know who I trust. I I trust Tom Terrific. I trust a, a four-time Super Bowl winner. I trust a guy who's been to the Super Bowl six times. I trust a guy that has to, you know, who knows, maybe he'll be the, a seventh after this time and get to the Super Bowl for a seventh time. I think he will. But I, I trust Tom Brady. I trust Tom Brady in this spot because last time he was in this spot against Peyton Manning, he lost. And I don't think – and that was a better Peyton Manning at the time. And, and that was not better than Tom Brady, but the, just a better Peyton Manning period in terms of him as a player. But at the same time, at the same time, Tom Brady is Tom Brady. Tom Brady is arguably the greatest quarterback of all time, the GOAT. And to me, the key for Denver, obviously, you got to run the football. Duplicate what you did possibly uh, last time you played these boys. you got to run the football. You, you have no – if you're not running the football effectively, you have to be over 100 yards rushing if you want to win this football game, Denver. No doubt about it. Defensively, you have to step up your play. Uh, you know, Von Miller, DeMarcus Ware – you got to step your play up. Chris Harris, I know you're hurting with that shoulder. you got to be big time. You guys have to be big time. Tlaib, you got to be big time. Because I think you're going to have to limit Denver's, not Denver's, New England's scoring. I think you're going to have to do it. And I, and I think you can do it. I just think you will. I, I just don't see it. I don't see Tom Brady losing again. But I will say this. And I've always said this. That's championship-caliber defense in Denver. That's a championship-caliber defense. But I look at the man under center. I I, I look at Peyton Manning. I I look at his numbers. I see nine touchdowns, 17 interceptions. You didn't win because of Peyton Manning. You won because of that defense. I, I, I see... You know, with Peyton Manning, a guy with 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 a Swiss cheese arm, you know that that arm ain't what it was. It never was great, but it ain't what it was. He's throwing some flutter balls out there. I think Peyton Manning is not, and you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, Big Ben was not at 100%. Big Ben did not have his number one wide receiver in Antonio Brown. Didn't even have his running back in D'Angelo Williams. And if you think about it, D'Angelo Williams, or even Le'Veon Bell for that matter, who if he was healthy would have been there. But D'Angelo Williams maybe, you know, you put Toussaint in a spot that maybe, you know, and, and fumbles happen. But at the same time, if D'Angelo... Toussaint would not have been there in that spot. But that is what it is. Football is what it is. Injuries are what they are, and and, and it happens. But I I just walk away saying that was Pittsburgh's game to win, and and they lost it. They gave it away. And they literally gave it away with that fumble. They put it on the turf, and Denver scooped up that particular fumble and scooped up that particular game. Was Denver the better football team than the Pittsburgh Steelers last week? Probably not. Was Peyton Manning a better quarterback? 
No, Big Ben was better. Kudos to that Denver defense because they didn't let the Steelers get the ball in the end zone. Kicked a lot of field goals. You kick a lot of field goals, you walk away from football games thinking about what could I have done? What should I have done? I could have done more. You walk away frustrated. And I, I just... I just look at this game, and I look at the quarterback, and I look at who's the better quarterback, and I look at Tom Brady, and I say to myself, he is the guy. He is the man here in this spot to get it done. I don't think Peyton Manning is good enough to get it done. I don't think Peyton Manning is good enough to get it done. We'll see. Denver kicked a lot of field goals last week. If there if if McManus is kicking if McManus is, is making four field goals, five field goals, Denver's not winning this football game. Those field goals have to be touchdowns. If they're not touchdowns, Denver's in trouble. And there will be in trouble at the end of the day because I feel like at the end of the day, the winner in that particular football game will be Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. They will win 28-17, to 17, and the Carolina Panthers get it done in a close one, uh, 24-21, but we'll see. I want to thank Hall of Famer Willie Rowe for stopping by. Go to framethegame.com and support that venture of Willie Rowe. Also, I want to thank Daniel Jacobs for stopping by. Go to his website, getinthering.net, and support all the things with Daniel Jacobs. And, again, you can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash pecant, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForItCant. For everybody here at GoForIt, especially everybody here on the East Coast, be safe, enjoy the snow, build a snowman or two. See you later. Take care.